on today's show. We take a look back at a sad, sad game in Utah that almost was a win. And we look forward to the next 31 games for the Hornets. How many do they have to win to stay in playoff contention? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it on this Monday. Today's episode is brought to you by Frame Warehouse. Everyone has something they need framed. It's sitting around. It's been sitting around for a while and it's time to get it framed. Visit framewarehouse.net to get an amazing price on your next framing project. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. David, a lot of diehard Pats fans will have something to frame after that game. They will, Doug. How you doing, buddy? Time to get back to basketball. Am I right? It's t- yeah, it's time to talk basketball. And finally, we're done with the NFL. But we have to just say that that was... Correct. Super Craig game. An amazing game. Yeah. And did you did you were you locked in the whole time? Were you were you like he's gonna come back? There's all there's still a chance. I felt the same sense of wait a minute, what is happening? Oh, I know what's happening that I had on election night. And I know if oh, you're geez. on if you're on social media uh, or you were during that game, there were a lot of jokes about the Atlanta Falcons being Hillary Clinton. And of course, Donald Trump loves the Patriots and the Patriots love Donald Trump. So there's a lot of that going on. But it did feel like that as I just knew when they got to overtime, I knew, well, first of all, as Panthers fans, David, we've seen that before uh, play out in the first Super Bowl matchup uh, against Carolina. And when Brady got the ball at the end of that game, you knew they were going to march down the field and kick the field goal to win the game. Um, but I felt that well, same sense of like, wait a minute. Oh God, the, there goes North Carolina. There goes Florida, Ohio, Michigan. Yep. This is happening. The Patriots are about to win the Super Bowl. I did not see it that way. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I mean, I and I'm, you know, and I was watching, uh, with some folks that, you know, had the same political slide to the slant to their, to their cheering. I, I just, I took a decidedly different way of looking at it. I did feel like the Falcons, because I feel like we've seen that before as Panthers fans too. Matt Bryant come down and hits like a 50-yard field goal to win a game. So I, I felt like it could have gone that way. But once it went to overtime, once they tied it up, I mean, they were just – you had to be shaken if you're if you're a Falcons player, fan, coach, whatever. I mean, they yeah. felt like they had so many shots, really. Obviously, I mean, it's just – I didn't particularly care one way or another, David. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just felt that you I didn't feel I didn't feel that sense of dread. I just felt that sense of watching do- it's like watching dominoes fall. Well, and, what about a three one lead? You know, that that bring back any memories for you? Yeah. Yeah, no, it had to and it was what they were up twenty eight to three, which equals thirty one. A lot of people making yeah, jokes about that. So it's just yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you want to hear more about the Super Bowl, get it from Locked On NFL. They're talking <laughs> all about it right now. They're the experts. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Let's begin our Hornets talk in Utah, where the Hornets let a double-digit fourth-quarter lead slip away in the closing minutes, losing to the Utah Jazz in Utah, 105-98. 
That makes seven straight losses, David, for the Hornets. They sit at 23-28 and 28 in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. The Hornets lead the league in blown fourth-quarter leads. They do it again in Utah. How did they let this one slip away? Jeez, that is, I did not know that. That is not a comforting stat. Doug, I mean, I thought they actually played better for large portions of this game. I don't know how you felt looking at it from your end, but, you know, they, they had a couple of runs there from the Jazz, like a couple 7-0 runs, a couple 9-0 runs. And you pair those with two duds of a second and fourth quarter when they only scored 16 points. I mean, and that was the difference. Also, just thought, you know, the Jazz had more guys that were out there to make shots. You know, professional shot makers. Joe Johnson, along with George Hill, and, and of course, Gordon Hayward had a huge night. So I thought, again, they played better for large part, large portions of it. Did not get off to a slow start. You know, that's been a thing with the Hornets. Got off to a good start. And just, uh, you know, couldn't come back from a couple of different runs from the Jazz. I mean, you saw the frustration too, right? I mean, those guys were, were upset they let that one slip away. Yeah, I felt I felt the same way that you did, David. I thought they got off to a great start, a lot of energy. Uh, Marvin Williams had an excellent game, 5 of 10 from the field for 16 points. Um, you know, they got a little boost of energy from Miles Plumley, who is yeah. obviously – well, we're going to talk about him uh, extensively here in a second, but – I thought they ran out of gas. I thought there were definitely yeah. there was an energy level difference that you could see between, uh, you know, Hayward, Hill, uh, and even Gobert, who they did a great job of limiting offensively. Uh, yeah. Two of five from the field for Gobert for only eight points. But yeah, Hayward gets thirty three, Hill gets twenty five, and in that fourth quarter, uh, Joe Johnson knocked down a couple of shots as well. Um, that seemed to be the difference. Uh, another difference too rebounding 51 to 38 and 17 second chance points for Utah. And again, it's those, those things. And a lot of that happened early, although there was a really egregious offensive rebound that led to a bucket late uh, seven minutes to go. Hornets up 92 to 87. Hayward dumps it off to Gobert, who, and then Hayward sneaks behind Marvin Williams, who had his eyes on Gobert the entire time. Gordon Hayward muscles Marvin out of the way, snags the board, and puts it right back in. It's key moments. It's key plays. It's things like that that have kept the Hornets just shy mm-hmm. of winning ball games over this pat over this seven game streak. They haven't been getting, uh, you know, uh, tossed like a rag doll. They haven't been losing these games uh, so badly. Uh, it's just been little things, little moments. One quarter, I mean, fourth quarter defense. They again have some issues guarding the three-point line in the fourth quarter. Um, and David, I'm going to put this a little on coaching. Mm. And we don't often do that on this show. Mm. But Tell me I, more about that. Well, because, so here's the deal, okay? They go on this 6-0 run uh, with a little under eight or a little under nine to go. So it's 8.37 left in the game. They're up 10. And Utah calls timeout. They get Nick Batum, because at that point it was... Brian Roberts, Plumley, Bellinelli, Lamb, and Marvin Williams. So four bench and Marvin. And they go, after that timeout, they get Nick Batum and Frank Kaminsky, two starters back in the game, leaving Kimba Walker and Michael Kidd Gilchrist uh, on the bench. I just think at that point, you've got a 10 point lead. You desperately need a win. And you you leave Kimba Walker on the bench. Now, they would get him back in the game several minutes, but by then, the momentum had already shifted. And I just think if, if you take that opportunity, I understand Kimba Walker was dealing with an illness. I also understand that Kimba Walker 
uh, was part of that 21 to four run that got them, you know, in the lead in that third quarter and played the entire third quarter. So it would have, what did he play for the game? He had 34 minutes. So that would have jumped him up to 36 minutes. I, I understand that, but I also understand the Hornets desperately needed a win. And if you can get shot makers on the floor, and and just those extra couple of minutes of Brian Roberts guarding George Hill Jeez. hurts. Yeah. So I put it a little bit on that on that decision. Yeah, I you know I think that they're trying to get Kimba a, a few minutes wherever they can. I mean, I get, but look, they it's now have, they're, they they're twenty three and twenty eight now. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it's seven straight losses. It. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where my frustration comes in when when we talk about that. So. Um, but again, you know, I mean, uh, credit to Utah. I mean, they just came in and uh, in that fourth quarter, Gordon Hayward taking over, getting to the spots that he likes to get to around that free throw line and and knocking down shots. And the the play that they ran to to really put the nail in the Hornets coffin was just amazing. The Gordon Hayward Gobert pick and roll where Gobert slips the screen and Kaminsky plays up. So Gobert gets behind Kaminsky, and that causes Marvin to have to leave Joe Johnson from the corner, and and Kimba was looking that way as well, and so no, there's nobody to really recover fast enough. But Hayward delivers an absolute strike of a pass uh, over the top to Joe Johnson in the corner for the three yeah. point shot. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the Jazz are playing well right now. You see the difference between a team that that can and you know. Fourth quarters. It was important in the Super Bowl. It was important in this game. You can't count out good teams with good players. Yeah, good teams and good players, professional shot makers, like I said. And you really saw the difference in that last time. I mean, how how many times has Joe Johnson done that? I mean, it's not going to be an every night thing, but it certainly feels like even going back to his Atlanta days or his Brooklyn days, against the Hornets especially, it's just, you know, a professional guy that makes shots and 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 gets them when they count. So tough I don't game. know, man. Tough yeah, game. Tough I, I, I want to talk. About, I want to talk about Plumley, but first we have to tell you about our friends at Frame Warehouse. If you have a poster or a jersey or a piece of wall art, or again, if you're a Patriots fan, it's time to celebrate what just happened. And if you've got something that you've been waiting to get framed, don't wait. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse. We are proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse this year because they have been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They're an institution, and they have the guaranteed best price on every frame in stock. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. Any sports memorabilia that you can think of, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys, they'll even cube up that signed football helmet you have laying around the house. It's Sometimes it's tough to, to get yourself over uh, somewhere to get something framed and to pick out what frame you want and do I put it in glass, do I not put it in glass. Luckily, Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the process and turn your project around very quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prize possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse today at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one near you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you. And of course, you know, give them a go Hornets. 
Okay, so uh, the Hornets make the trade for uh, Miles Plumley, and they ship uh, Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert off to Milwaukee, and they're in the middle of this road trip, so they've got some injuries and illnesses. So we knew this game was going to be a little weird anyway, and that's what it makes it a little, in my mind, a little more frustrating because they had the 10-point lead uh, with uh, 8.37 to go. And had a chance to steal one essentially that I don't think a lot of people would have given them a chance to get, um, but they don't. But David, your thoughts on Miles Plumley and his performance in this one? Well, I mean, did he even get in a shoot around? I mean, he didn't have, I know he didn't have a practice, right? So he got there and pretty much went out there and played. Essentially, yeah. I mean, go, going yeah. out there and playing ball, and, and it, it affected all of the different rotations as well. Honestly, David, I thought that may give the Hornets an advantage because you have to go out there and just play basketball, and you don't get too caught up in who you're playing with or, or what you're, you know, what you're supposed to do with this player or this player. I mean, you just go out there and play basketball. Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good, especially considering that. I mean, you, you saw this, some of the, the athleticism that he brings a little more freedom of movement from him than some of the other guys they shipped off. So again, I mean, for the first uh, game really with no team time, um, Clifford, I'm sure liked his physicality. That's the word that we've used a lot this year. So I think it's uh, a good sign, you know, hopefully now look, Roy Hibbert had a great first game here too. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully miles can can get a couple more than than roy did in a row there but i mean i thought it looked pretty good i mean what you're not expecting to go out there and you know dominate wasn't that kind of trade but for what they were asking for him to do i thought you had to consider that a pretty good game played 18 minutes that was about four more minutes than he was scheduled to play we thought he'd get about seven minutes each half uh, and uh, played a few more minutes and looked like it. And he's not a guy that has had consistent minutes this season. I mean, he'll go several stretches of playing, you know, zero to 10 minutes and then, you know, play a couple of games of 18 to 20. And that's tough on conditioning, you know? I mean, you in terms yeah. of that game conditioning that they always talk about, it's different from practicing every day uh, to get into that game shape. You really have to get that, you know, 15 to 20 minutes per game, at least as a reserve uh, to start feeling your way out. So Plumley is going to have to, uh, you know, get into that game shape for the Hornets. So it's going to take a few games. Um, but yeah, I thought he did a great job. Four points, eight rebounds, two blocks. When he was, uh, when he wasn't tired, he was very active, uh, hustling for rebounds. And like you said, very physical, moving guys out of the way. One of the things that I really liked, and this goes to mobility, and Marvin Williams mentioned that as well as a big uh, point about Miles Plumley, just the way he moves around, especially on defense. I mean, David, it was a revelation to watch a, a bench big able to show hard and then recover back to his man on the roll. He did that several nice, times. Right? It was great. And yeah. he was able to move with a couple of the guards out there. Alec Burks, he went one-on-one with him during some of those pick-and-roll situations. He switched with Jeremy Lamb and stayed in front of him, disrupted him a little bit, and got a big block on Burks as well. So, yeah, if he continues to do that, it can certainly influence how this second unit plays defense in the future. Yeah, it allows just, you to play Lamb. You know, I mean, we yeah. were we were questioning, I think, a little bit, how does Lamb fit back into this rotation when everybody gets back? But, you know, I think a guy like Plumley can cover up some of the defensive issues that you have with a guy like Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, you said it. Just a totally different look uh, when you have a big guy back there that can kind of anchor things and move a lot better than Spencer or or Roy. So, 
I think that's a good sign. You mentioned the eight rebounds. I mean, that was second on the team uh, for the game, you know? So, well, now that speaks to some of the troubles <laughs> that the Hornets had. But, but look, I mean, 17 minutes, eight boards. Um, I think he gives them eight boards, you know, uh, in his first game out there. That's, that's a good sign. Hey, real quick, Frank Kaminsky gets the start in this one. Six of 15, yeah. extremely aggressive early on. So, you so, love that. I, so don't you think this is a bit of a theme for Frank? I mean, to me, he just plays so much better when he starts. I'm not saying that he should start. It just I see a different player out there when he starts. And I don't I, well, I, I'm not sure what number start that was for him, but he definitely looked more aggressive, had what, 10 points in the first couple minutes, um, you know, topped out with 15. But geez, yeah, it looks like a totally different guy, didn't he? I mean, taking Gobert off the dribble with a spin and then hitting threes. Well, listen, if there was, I think if there was one matchup and they did a lot of things to help Frank Kaminsky out on the defensive end of the floor with Gobert, but that was going to be a good matchup for Frank. I mean, Frank was going to be able to do some things offensively against Gobert and you saw him and it's nice to see Frank, first of all, being aggressive, uh, but second of all, recognizing, hey, Gobert's not going to come out immediately and guard me at the at, at the line, mm-hmm. so I, I can knock down this three. And then very next possession, he baits Gobert to, to step just a little closer to that three-point line and then takes him off the dribble. So yeah. that's that's the kind of development you like to see out of Kaminsky. Only two rebounds, I think that has to... It, it, he had, what, eight in the previous game, so it's been sort of up and down, just finding some consistency about... Um, uh, you know, get, getting a little closer to the rim and nabbing some of those boards, I think, will help Kaminsky as well. But yeah, it's all about scoring. Fifteen points, three of six from beyond the arc. Love to see that out of the big man. All right, real quick, big takeaway from this game. The uh, big takeaway for me, Doug, is they are just struggling to get anything going their way. I mean, this was like we said, a, a much a well played game, pretty much for the most part, but. Just ran out of gas. Just didn't have enough to get together and uh, get a win. I mean, it's they have they have got to be looking at this homestand starting with tomorrow night against the Nets uh, to turn things around. Yeah, my big takeaway is that they they just it's not. I don't know if they I don't know if they've forgotten how to win, but it's, they're. Yeah. I mean, it's it's over and over. We look at these box scores, and it's like if I told you that Marvin Williams had 16 points, hit 50% of his threes, that Frank Kaminsky was shooting well from three, that Kimball Walker gives you, what, 12 points in the third quarter. They score 38 points in the third quarter. They have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Hornets win, right? That the turnovers we keep, we, are low. You know, yeah, turnovers are low. All of the about. different little things. That, but it's one or two things that devastate the team. And and they just uh, they can't close things out right now, and it's um, yeah, it's 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 disappointing for sure, and I know fans are disappointed yeah. as well. Uh, Hornets come back to Charlotte for four straight home games before taking their longest road trip of the year, seven games. We're going to talk about that uh, a little, a little more bullet. in depth here in a second, but first, a little news: uh, Ramon Sessions injured. I know you didn't see him against Utah. There was a reason he has been diagnosed with a torn lateral meniscus in his left knee. He sat out of practice last Friday after complaining about discomfort in his knee, and they uh, did the work and found out it was a torn meniscus. And surgery, not necessarily guaranteed here. They may try to do some physical therapy, try to rehab that knee back. Um, It would be, I I mean, as um, disappointing as Sessions' play has been, it would still be very difficult for the Hornets if, if they didn't have him in. Oh man, I mean, God love Brian Roberts, but yeah, that's just a huge drop off. Um, 
and they brought up Ray McCallum, right? Or they signed him or traded for him, I should say. Yeah, they well they yeah, they added two they brought him up. 10-day contracts. Uh, the first one was uh Greensboro Swarms seven-footer Mike Toby. Toby's played 29 games for Greensboro, averaging 11 points, uh, 8.9 rebounds, 1.3 blocks in 26 minutes per game. And then as you said, they brought up six foot three guard Ray McCallum, who has played in 30 games for the D-League's Grand Rapids Drive. 18.2 points, 7.5 assists, and six rebounds in 38 minutes per game. So those are good, those are good D League numbers like those. McCallum was drafted in 2013 by the Kings and has also had stints with the San Antonio Spurs and Detroit Pistons. So look, people yeah, I mean, want people want D League uh call-ups. Well, you're you're gonna get them. You're gonna get them now. Yeah, I think he's graded out pretty pretty high too for like folks that watch the D League and keep track of those players more than say we do. Um but Jeez, I mean, they got to be hoping that that Ramon can come back because I don't know what other move they can make right now, Doug. I mean, if they bring up McCallum and they're just going to stick with he and Roberts, that's gosh, that is just that's just a lot to ask of those guys and Kimba. You know, at, at that stage when you're talking about guys that are going to fill in and and give him a break. Yeah, a lot of challenges for the Hornets, but they are coming back home. They have played Oof. a little better at home this season than on the road, and the Hornets announced that they are planning to celebrate Kimball Walker's selection as an NBA All-Star by hosting a Kimball Walker night during their game on February 11th against the Clippers. Uh, David notes that this was already going to be a Kimball Walker celebration of sorts because they were giving away uh, the start. They still are going to give away the starting lineup figurines to the first 7,500 fans, but uh, they're going to do a whole spiel now that Walker has been uh, selected to the all-star game they're going to present walker with a framed all-star jersey and kimball mm. walker is going to talk to the crowd uh, there's going to be all kinds of things going on here in spectrum center so you want to check it out february 11th against uh, the clippers that's going to be a good game as well um, let's talk about just looking ahead so we need to look ahead there are a lot of numbers that we need to crunch right now because the hornets are 23 and 28 what does that mean? They're ninth in the Eastern Conference. What does this mean for their Eastern Conference playoff hopes? Uh, it's a perfect time, David, to do the math. As I said, David, Hornets are 23 and 28. They have 31 games left. So to finish 500 or above, they would need to go 18 and 13 the rest of the way, 58%. That's probably doable. 18 yeah. and 13. If they get things back on track, if my if Cody Zeller gets back in a hurry, God, they need him so bad. Yeah, it's doable. It's 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 it's, it's, it's doable, doable. But they haven't done it since the end of December and early January. So they would have to get mm. back on. That was really when the slide started to begin. So they would have to get things back to where they were at least to that point uh, to match. I don't know if you remember this, David, but our prediction, both of us said that the Hornets would go. Uh, have 45 wins that was our win prediction which was slightly better than espn's prediction of 44 but slightly less than the 48 wins that they got last season to do that they would need to go 22 and 9 the rest of the way 71 percent. so seven out of 10 games they haven't done that since the beginning uh, run of the season where they went eight and three Um, to match last season's total of 48 wins they would need to be spectacular. They would have to go 25 and 6, win 80% of their games the rest of the way. They have not uh, they have not won 80%. They have not gone 8 and 10 out of 10 all season. 
So and that's weird because they've played good in stretches. They play great in stretches, but we've seen three game winning streaks followed up by four game losing streaks. It's the yeah. losing streaks that have really killed them. The slides that they can't get off of quick enough that have really hurt them. Yeah, and it seems like those are really happening on the road, too. I mean, you mentioned coming back home, but they're going to be going on the road. Uh, you mentioned that road trip, you know, right after the All-Star break. That's that's tough sledding. I mean, that that you just have a feeling that that portion of the schedule is almost do or die. It's going to be the make or break, yeah. I mean, if they, yeah. if they end that road trip with a losing record – uh, just for the road trip, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to make the playoffs. So let's let's look at that next eleven games. So, just to make our prediction of forty five wins, they really need to win eight of the next eleven games to stay on pace. Um, so they have one back to back in this stretch, which happens uh, February twenty fifth and twenty sixth, Sacramento and L A. Mm-hmm. So they have. Five games that are really going to be linchpin games that aren't teams that they've really, uh, really should beat. Houston, Clippers twice, Toronto, and then Detroit right now playing well, and they have a better record than the Hornets. So I'm going to throw Detroit in there as well. So they have to win, what, uh, three of those games. They have to steal three of those games to go to have a chance of going 8-11, plus you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Uh, Brooklyn, Philadelphia at home. They've got Sacramento, uh, the Lakers, Lakers, Phoenix, and Denver. Suns. So you have yeah. to, yeah, you have to beat all of those teams plus steal one from Houston, LA, Toronto, Detroit, and the Detroit Sacramento on February twenty third and twenty fifth. That's interesting because that's th- those are two teams that the Hornets have dropped brutally close games to. So yeah. those are going to be really like prove yourself games because they should have beaten yeah. Sacramento back on the 28th. They lost what? 109, 106. Yes. That was a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And that Detroit, I mean, any, of course, any Eastern conference games are going to be huge. You can make up a little ground by beating uh, a Pistons team, but they have the exact same record as right now. So, I mean, those games are obviously going to be important, uh, but they all are right now. I mean, you've got to, you, you, you no longer can afford, these you know losses to brooklyn losses to philly even though philly's playing a lot better like you have to beat these teams that you should be better than but right now i mean it's just tough you're right they cannot find a way to win i mean and that's so this brooklyn game theoretically is coming at the perfect time because they need a win in the worst way and just to get that feeling again got an email question you can send your question to us via email buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com this is coming to us from longtime listener daniel Daniel asks, uh, first off, show can't be done wheeling and dealing, right? This Plumley trade doesn't really fix our bench scoring issues. I'm still holding out hope for something, but I realize that we have less to trade now. Uh, second, what move has produced the most vitriol, the Bellinelli trade or this trade? So two good questions there. And, and Daniel says, by the way, keep up the amazing work. I've been listening for three years now, including the podcast era. And your show has always been a source of comfort during the tumultuous times. Well, Daniel, <laughs> thank, thanks to you for, for yeah. sticking with us and, and supporting us all this time. It's definitely been uh, you guys that have uh, made this whole thing happen. So let's take each of these questions, David. So do you think that show is done wheeling and dealing? 
Who's to say? I'm never, I'm never going to say that he's not looking to trade, right? I mean, and you can never count that out. So I think he's certainly still looking. He said as much uh, in the in the Miles Plumlee press conference. You know, still making calls. Said as much, and you know they're not afraid to trade first round picks. They traded one for Bellinelli, so you know I think they just, I think they could I make it. It's going to be tough, but I don't think they're closed. You know, well, and here's the thing: up. if if they come out of this four game homestand and and they're looking at the break with with a you know six seven games under 500 then i think you may want to back off a little bit on making a trade yeah. unless it's a yeah. huge trade that what you just think is going to completely turn things around you know you don't want to you don't want what the, the what you don't want to do and i hate to say this because you know the hornets had a goal of getting into the playoffs and winning a first round playoff series but what you don't want to do is mortgage your future and miss the playoffs or be, or be the eighth seed and yeah. have a guaranteed first round exit. Then you're moving yeah. your future uh, prospects in the wrong direction. So, I mean, do you think do you think the sessions issue will play into that at all? I mean, I, it, you know, if they think he's going to be out for an extended period of time, and they think they can get back to 500 of the playoffs, right? I mean, that feels like an area they'd look to upgrade. Oh, absolutely, and you know, that's an area where they could make a smaller deal. As opposed yeah. to, you know, a big splash, you know, for sure. Um, all right, second question. What move has produced the most vitriol? Great word there, oh, Danny. Vitriol. Question. The belly trade or this trade? I, I think it's mm. the Bellinelli trade because anytime really? well, yeah, because anytime a team trades a first round draft, people think that first round draft pick is going to be God. Um, you know, so they it doesn't matter where in that first round players are being drafted, people just love first round draft picks and they love the idea of a team drafting someone for the future and so when that happened uh yeah i i, I felt the heat from fans yeah I, it's really close <laughs> this, this is a really close in terms of vitriol. i thought people I'm who gonna... listen to our show were okay with the plumb i think i'm telling you uh, and i don't mean yeah, to I, I don't mean I think... to like I, I just think that people who listen to the show are very smart about the hornets and they understood Again, it's not. Uh, it wasn't an amazing deal that was going to turn the season around, but they they got something that was necessary, and they didn't have to give up anything that was unnecessary. Yeah, I, th- I still think there was a bit more from the Miles Palmy trade, probably just because being in season, um, and there was a little negativity uh, surrounding the team anyway. So, I mean, it's really close. <laughs> it's really close. Uh, so you can't go wrong either way. I felt a little, little more on the Plumley trade, though. All right, well, that'll do it for us. Thanks for the question, by the way, Daniel. Again, you can send your questions yeah. to us on Twitter at LockedOnHornets or email buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. That'll do it for us here on this Monday. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Uh, consider giving us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. We're back again tomorrow with a preview of a pivotal game here in Charlotte against the Brooklyn Nets. And we have Locked on Hornets Live, a special pregame edition. We're only going 30 minutes, so you can can get in and get out really fast and get ready for this Brooklyn Nets game. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. Hit the subscribe button, and you'll get a notification when we go live. So it's really neat. Uh, For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV?